You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show Hour 4, welcome to the show. Live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? We install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We're joined by David Pagnota, editor-in-chief over at the fourth period and host at Sirius XM NHL Radio. David, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing great as well. Uh, we'll start with the uh, the big signing yesterday, uh, rumored destination. Uh, Detroit was up there for sure, but Patrick Kane signing a one-year deal. That's all he got was a one-year. I know a lot of uh, teams were a little hesitant maybe to give him that extra year, obviously coming off of a, a massive surgery like hip resurfacing, but uh, how is this going to yeah. fit in Detroit right now? Well, it's it's a pretty cost-effective uh, type of acquisition for uh, for Detroit, and I think, and you're right, uh, a lot of teams had concerns and had voiced those concerns in terms of him initially looking for a multi-year contract um, with, uh, with, with the Wings, and I don't think anybody really wanted to go to the, to the three-year route. Um, he would like to play at least three more years in the NHL. Obviously, we'll see how that kind of goes. Um, but deciding on the one year, uh, signing for 2.75 million, he'll earn about just under, I think it's just under 2 million in actual cash. Uh, but it also gives Detroit some flexibility if they want to make some moves later on, they've got another two, 3 million in cap space to, to play with. And that will continue to accrue. Um, but this gives them some options in terms of how they want to kind of set their lineup up. And uh, he's not going to be counted on it's not out of the gate anyway, to be, you know, the 90-point the guy that he's been in the past um, right out of the gate. They want to ease him in. He's on ice, actually, right now as we speak. Yeah, I saw the with, pictures. With the wings. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's hitting the ice. He's going to get a full practice in with the team, which he hasn't had since the playoffs yep. of last year when he was with the Rangers. So let's see how he adjusts. Let's see how he, uh, how, how he performs now in a full practice. Then get him into game situations. Kind of watch his minutes. And then as he gets his legs under him, then let him, let him kind of roll with it. But this is a good uh, opportunity for Detroit, certainly to add this caliber player. Mm-hmm. And I talked to some guys on this team uh, yesterday, and they're, they're pretty excited about the fact that they've got one of the best um, in, in his era to join this club. Uh, was it, was it always going to be Detroit? I know Buffalo was obviously rumored. I think maybe no. more people were attaching him there because of the home sound effect there. I know Colorado was involved, maybe Dallas, the Rangers just didn't have the money. I know Toronto was interested, but did it always feel like the Red Wings were always going to be the destination? It, it didn't really, to mm. be honest. Um, Detroit, uh, Florida was very much. Yeah, Florida. Mix. Yep. Um, and, uh, Dallas was too. And I think Dallas was a team that expressed interest in him two summers ago. Uh, and when he was, was starting to be, uh, when him and his agents actually were starting to get permission to at least talk to other teams, uh, Dallas was right up there. And he had conversations with them, with some players, um, about their system. And the stars always kind of were there. Uh, but them and Florida, they would have had to make lateral-type moves in terms of moving out cap space and that just certainly complicated matters. Clearly, they weren't able to do that. Florida certainly wasn't. Um, but the Panthers, Sabres, and Red Wings seemed to be the final three in that race. And then it can, I, I think it came down to Florida and Detroit. Uh, but again, 
with, with the Panthers inability to create some cap space, they didn't just want to give somebody away. Um, Detroit didn't have to make any type of move. They, them and, and also Buffalo had the space to pull this off. And, and ultimately he decided to, to join, to join the wings. Now he was very in, in all the conversations that he had with the teams that were engaged. There were about eight to 10 teams. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a few of them. I think Vegas was also part of that. Um, he wanted to know what's the structure of the team. What's the system look like? Where, you know, how, where would I be positioned? What, mm-hmm. what, what are the opportunities that I would be put into the lineup? Am I playing, you know, regardless of minutes, situationally, where am I going to be? How's the power play going to look? What are you expecting of me? He asked a ton of questions from, from management and coaching staff of each of the teams that he was fully engaged with. And he likes the system and the structure in Detroit. He has the opportunity to play again uh, with Alex DeBrinkett, who he had obviously success with in Chicago. Um, all of those kind of factored in, plus a lighter travel schedule. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, for him, it, all the pieces kind of aligned with Detroit. I think it would have been similar with respect to Florida, mm-hmm. minus obviously the Brinkett factor, but. Um, he, he was pretty excited and jacked about the opportunity. Our, uh, with Pat Kane off the board, that was like the last real big fish uh, of current unsigned UFAs. Like, I mean, there's Phil Kessel still out there, Zach Parisi, Jonathan Taves, Eric Stahl. Any chance these guys uh, find a team as we, you know, enter into 2024? Or is it, you know, like, hey, they might see the end of these guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, Kessel's been waiting. Yeah. Um, there are teams that have ent- that that have expressed interest. There were two teams that basically said, if we can make the cap work, we'll, we'll sign you tomorrow. Um, that's that's ongoing for about a month. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of shows you really how hard it is to to make a move. Because again, some of these teams, you know, they can make a move like Vancouver did yesterday, move out Beauvillier for a, a low draft pick, and you free up 4.1 million in space. Well, that's great, but you have to have a team that's a willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and B some teams want you to add a piece to take on a $4 million caliber player. So, uh, Vancouver kind of taking advantage of what was happening in Chicago and, and their extra space, uh, as well, even though they have a ton of it. Um, but teams don't want to give up a little extra in order to free up the money. Yeah. So some teams are waiting on injuries. Some teams are, are seeing, um, you know, kind of how the rest of their season unfolds. Maybe some teams have slipped a little bit, uh, but you know, Kessel still has some options. He seems to be the primary guy right now. With Parise, it's Islanders or nothing. Yeah, um, he, he's made that clear. The Islanders have had, I believe, some recent conversations with him um, about where he's at in his training. How are his legs? How's he feeling? Um, I'm not sure anything is imminent to this point, other than just kind of exploring that potential option because the Isles are looking around to see how they can kind of bolster their situation not just offensively, but even on the, on, on the back end. Uh, you mentioned that the, the Anthony Beauvillier trade uh, happening uh, yesterday evening. Vancouver sending him to Chicago for a fifth-round pick next year. Is, is that Vancouver throwing up the flag, hey, we're coming for a defenseman? I think it's a combo. I, I think mm-hmm. it's, um, it didn't work. Uh, you know, they, they brought him in as part of the Horvat deal. Um, he wasn't able to really click offensively with this group. Um, and it frees up cap space for other potential moves yeah. and yeah the blue line is an area that they've had um that they've been exploring have interest in in adding to uh you know there are two players in calgary that they've been yeah. knocking on the door about going on since well, over a month now and both Zadorov and Tanev. Mm-hmm. so 
Um, you know, would they love to have Tanev back on the ice and in that room? Certainly. Zadorov's got the lower cap hit um, and has that physical presence as well. So it, it, it gives, and this has been an objective, and, and it's no secret because they've, they've admitted this a number of times publicly, that they wanted to move out some bodies to create cap space to give them flexibility for future moves. And with how this team is performing and how great they're doing offensively, they, they don't want to disrupt too much of what's going on yeah. in terms of the core and what's happening there. But would they love to add to that back end? Uh, absolutely. This gives them a lot more um, of a longer leash in order to potentially make that type of acquisition. We'll, sh- we'll shift on over to the Flames. You mentioned, the, obviously, the Canucks are, it would be interested in Nikita Zadorov and Chris Tanev. Uh, man, they're playing some good hockey. They're 7-4-3 this month. I've uh, seen them dig out of a hole that they dug themselves in October. Uh, Craig Connor, I'm sure, would have loved to move maybe one of these UFAs out if the price was right, but it's, he's got to be in a super tough spot uh, right now being a, a rookie general manager with, with the way the team is starting to trend up and getting back into a playoff spot, but also you've got those four pending UFAs that you, you can't, you know, you, you, you can't let them go for nothing. Right. This is a rock in the hard place yep. kind of situation that, that he's in. Um, because if they do continue to perform like this, if the Flames continue to kind of go on that upswing, well, then you're battling a situation of how do we strengthen ourselves for a, a deeper run and playing meaningful hockey down the stretch post-deadline? And B, these guys don't want to be here long-term, so how do we juggle that with losing potential assets for nothing as, as free agents? Um, this is now the point for, for teams that are in this position. And we've seen other teams kind of be in this position before. Anaheimer, uh, 10 years ago or so, St. Louis a number of years ago, before their cup run, they would be kind of a, uh, that bubble hover playoff team, move out some assets ahead of the deadline, and then things started to click and they ended up making the playoffs anyway. Um, that's best-case scenario. Uh, it doesn't happen all the time. But, you know, Craig Conroy and the staff have to figure out where they stand and they don't want to rush into anything. That's why, you know, he's come out and said, look, I understand Zadorov wants to be moved. We'll do it on our timeline. We have to wait until we see what's the best move um, for us. And, and if it's today, great. If it's in two months, you know, so be it. Let's focus on, on the team. Let's focus on at least winning. And that seems to be the mindset right now, which is, which is great. Um, and these conversations will continue. There are teams that have reached out not only on those guys, but, you know, obviously Hannafin, obviously Lindholm. There are guys that have term left on their deal that some teams are poking around on, and that just that just happens. Doesn't mean it's going to. Doesn't mean it's anything is imminent. But you know, is what's Manjapani's price tag? What's yeah. this player's price tag? Things like that. Um, it's due diligence being done by the other team. But with Calgary's position now, I think this is a scenario. And usually, when teams in this position get to get to this point, it's all right. What is out there from a market perspective in terms of our assets? And let's see what other players are potentially available as well that may have term on their deals. And let's see if we can possibly use some of the assets that we could potentially acquire for argument's sake as a door over Tanev. How do we package that, bring in somebody that's got some term that can help us in uh, whatever position, but also be a player that's going to be here beyond this season and can fit with this core. This is kind of the exploratory stage for Conroy right now and his staff to kind of juggle the, the, the market from a, both the seller's and buyer's perspective. We're talking with David Pagnola, uh, editor-in-chief of the, the fourth period and host at Sirius uh, XM NHL Radio. Uh, the situation in Chicago, Kyle Davidson obviously having to clean up uh, another mess 
uh, and you know yeah. more from uh, from what he had to clean up from Stan Bowman in the past. But how much of this is in the NHL's eyes? You know, this is an, a, a marquee franchise. They've got the newest toy in the league, and it's just more noise, more bad news coming out of that organization. How does the league viewing Chicago right now? Uh, there, there's certainly frustration, um, and, and I think there's a bit of a message. And Kyle Davidson kind of alluded or admitted sort of to this, that he probably could have got ahead of things a little bit sooner. Yeah. Um, with, with all the speculation that was out there with what was going on, um, I mean, it, it just blew up like wildfire. And I know people love the juicy gossip and yep. stuff like that. It just, it's not true. Um, and, and, and genuinely, it's, it's actually, it's really not true. So they mm-hmm. could have could have got ahead of that and, and I think one of the messages that have been kind of discussed with what's happened in the last say 48 hours from a league talking to talking to the to Davidson and, and the group in Chicago you may have to nip certain things in the butt a little sooner than you're comfortable of doing mm-hmm. you don't have to say exactly what happened but you have to kind of cut out some of the potential noise that could come out of this obviously based on what we've seen in the last few days so I think more than anything, it's just frustration of, uh-oh, something else kind of happening with this group. Um, but uh, I think that also a learning curve for, uh, for a younger GM and, and for an organization that understandably is hesitant to deal with certain situations um, in terms of what to admit publicly and, and things like that. But I think just providing a little bit more honesty and nipping certain uh, potential bits of speculation in the butt early, mm-hmm. likely w- what this team has learned from this and what they're going to be doing moving forward. If, you know, I mean, hopefully there's no other drama that comes yeah. out of that, that group for a while, but at least, you know, they've, they, they're in a position to learn from certain uh, situations. Uh, the emergency backup goaltender, the e-bug, uh, was a situation uh, that maybe GMs would like to see resolved sooner rather than later. Almost had to call an old dusty yeah. nickel on Monday here in Calgary. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, and, and this has been something that's been talked about for the last couple of seasons um, at, at the GM meetings and, and things like that. Um, uh, understanding this, I mean, like, it's, it's tough to carry three goaltenders on a roster. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, certainly nobody wants to do it. Ask the Canadians. They yeah. don't want to keep doing what they're doing, but it is what it is. But at least having um, some type of uh, uh, flexibility in this department where, especially on the cap side of things, if your goaltenders, if somebody's hurt, if somebody's ill after the roster deadline um, and it's, it's genuine, yeah. uh, you know, you'll want to have some type of flexibility here rather than just calling somebody up that hasn't played a game in 10 years, um, you know, for example. So it's, it's a great experience for the individual, but from a team perspective, not ideal. So they're going to continue to have those discussions. I think at the next GM meetings to see how we can, eliminate or at least like not every scenario is going to be perfect and you may still have an e-bug situation down the line depending on where your ahl affiliate is playing yeah. or, or another affiliate of yours is but at least give yourself the opportunity to have um, a little bit more leniency from a cap perspective from an emergency basis perspective i think that's going to be something that will be addressed and eventually um slotted in within the new cba but that's going to be something both the nhl and nhlpa we'll have to both agree on. Because I think it's like, you, you, we bring up like, oh, a competitive balance. Like, okay, well, Calgary's got their AHL affiliate in town. Winnipeg's got their AHL affiliate in town. Toronto, et cetera, et cetera. A team like yeah. Edmonton, 
they got to go down to Bakersfield. Is it really that big of a competitive right. advantage? Like, oh, well, our third string goalie that is not always around, like, we have to call him up. Like, I, I don't get that, that worry. Like, we've got our two healthy goalies. Why are we worried about a third? Right. Well, and, and that's, the, that's what I mean by, you know, not every situation is yeah. going to be perfect. Yeah. And, you know, you may have to, like, this, that's why this scenario will, I don't think will ever disappear. Um, but if you can, uh, if you can give yourself the best opportunity to have, like if, if Ladar went down mm-hmm. um, the other day after getting rocked, and I'm surprised he wasn't taken out, quite frankly, for at least. We were worried about the, the spotters maybe going yeah. down there with that one. That I, that's what I, I thought the exact same thing, that that was going to happen. Um, and at least he'll get five, 10 minutes in there. Yeah. Um, but you, you don't want to be put in that position. Um, you know, so if you have an opportunity and competitive advantage, I mean, come on, it, the t- tax-free states. Yeah, um, exactly. Gives you a bit of a competitive advantage. Exactly. Like, forget a, yeah, like <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's the nature of the beast. If I'm lucky enough to have my, you know, potential third string goal, goalie, my, my AHL starter available to me, I would much rather have that guy oh, yeah. than whomever. You know, who, who, whoever's been around that, that skates around at practices or drove a Zamboni or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, again, they want to address this. They, it's not going to be perfect. But if you can at least minimize the, the, the potential of having somebody who is a legit e-bug in there, the teams would like to do it. But, again, they're gonna, it's not going to be perfect. And the rarity that this occurs, um, if, if you can make it work, great. If not... You know, so be it, nature of the beast. Uh, I think we were maybe just, uh, dancing on the grave of the Edmonton Oilers maybe a, a little too soon. Obviously, there's still deficiencies in their game, but, uh, you know, 6-4 and four in their last 10, winners of three in a row, uh, a big one over Vegas last night as well. Just five points out of a playoff spot from where, where they were. Uh, what's, the, what's the news up there in Edmonton? Like, they've got to use these first-round picks. They've got to use their assets to try and add to this team, whether it's another goalie or something on that blue line, right? I mean, look, it, it's nice that they've kind of woken up. It's yeah. nice that McDavid's on a tear right now. Um, but, yeah, exactly to your point, there's there's still deficiencies and holes on this roster. Um, and you're not going to be able to, as we've seen, outscore your problems day in and day out. Um, you're going to go on a heater for a while, yep. and eventually things are going to kind of even out. Um, this doesn't change the fact that, that Edmonton is still looking and has been exploring the market, not just for goaltender. Uh, for a goaltender, but also, you know, they've been looking at the three seat position for a while. They're looking at defensive options. They understand that there are these holes on this team, but they don't have um, the flexibility to just pull the trigger. Like they don't have cap space no. like Detroit does or, or Buffalo or, or especially the bottom feeders, Calgary, uh, excuse me, uh, not Calgary's space is different. Um, uh, San Jose, I get you. Uh, yeah. Montreal, San Jose. Yeah. Like they have all that space. That's not the situation here. So they're going to have to be creative in terms of making an impact type move. It's part of the reason they haven't done it already, um, just because of how tough things are and nobody's throwing you a life preserver. So the, the, yes, you have to be better on the ice and winning certainly changes things in a room, um, but it's, it's not going to stop Kenny Holland and, and Jeff Jackson and the staff in Edmonton from looking around to see what their options are to improve this club. If they can pull off, I'm not just talking about one deal. If they could pull off two or three to fill some holes on this roster, they'd love to do it. Um, obviously, easier said than done. Does any move, like big move, have to have Jack Campbell going the other way? 
It, it, so, yeah, well, I mean, that would certainly free up um, some extra money. But mm-hmm. then, you know, for three more years at, at four and a half, yeah. that <laughs> alone is going to cost you a first-round pick. Yeah, Minimum. exactly. Minimum. Exactly. And they don't, you know, they, there's, I mean, that's not in Kenny Holland's uh, bag of tricks here. If, if you're getting a player that's got term, he'll move out uh, a first-round pick as part of it. But to let go of a piece or to bring in a rental, that's just not his his forte. So if you're moving out Jack Campbell, it's probably going to be in a very large deal um, that is going to include likely a first-round pick plus. But those types of pieces are going to offset the overall acquisition cost of, yeah. of what you're going to bring in. So if they can move Campbell, they'd love to do it. Um, but my gut, and based on mm-hmm. you know talking to people around the league, it's probably going to be in a larger type deal, and I don't see that right now. Maybe one for the summertime uh, in Edmonton. Uh, right. la- last one for you, David. A uh, couple Swedes, they're set for uh, massive contract extensions, uh, maybe this offseason yep. or maybe sooner. Uh, William Nylander, Elias Pettersson, they keep this play up. Uh, they're just making it more difficult on Toronto and Vancouver. Yep, and uh, both teams kind of knew that going in. Yep. So if they want to point any fingers, they can point it at themselves. <laughs> um, look, Toronto could have had Willie Nylander locked in around $10 million, um, and they held firm on their, I think it was around nine. They were eight and a half to wow. nine and a quarter range. Um, well, neither numbers are going to be available now nope. um, as his price tag has, has certainly jumped. So, um they're like both. First of all, both scenarios, the conversations are fluid. They're ongoing, but there's also a big differentiator between an open line of communication and a healthy negotiation dialogue. Um, I can tell you that Vancouver and Pedersen's camp are not engaged in negotiations. Mm. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean that, you know, you know, what's hitting the fan there. It, yep. It's just, you know, they're, they're still talking. They're still having conversations, but in terms of actual negotiations, that's not happening right now. Um, they're going to continue to wait things out. There's no rush. There's no sense of urgency mm-hmm. on either side. It's a different situation than Nylander. He's an RFA. Yep. But, I mean, you look at his numbers. You look at how he's performing. In, in, in Vancouver, 30 points already on the year. The guy's going to crack 100. What's that price tag? He, back-to-back 100-point seasons. Start three 11. seasons in a row of 30-plus goals. <laughs> that, that might even be low. Yeah, like at his at his age, at 12, 25, 12 and a half. You're probably in the 12 range. Yeah, is is my guess on a long term deal. Now, we, could he go a short term route, a la you know Austin Matthews, for example, yep. and look at a three four year deal, and then explore it afterwards? Certainly, um, and that would likely drop the number a little bit. But we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll kind of see how that how that unfolds. There's really nothing going on there from a negotiation perspective with respect to Toronto and Nylander, those communications same also open, mm-hmm. but the, the contract dialogue is a little bit more vibrant than it is with Vancouver's situation. Yeah, it they, doesn't they, mean something's happening tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but that's another scenario where you're, if I'm his camp right now, the way he's playing 11 range, <laughs> yeah. um, Oof. On a long term, and yeah, and and 40, the Leafs are going to have to figure out how they're going to pull this off. Like forty percent of your cap tied to four players. Oy. Yeah, and yeah. and that'll only be that'll only be for another season. <laughs> yeah, because Tavares will come off. 
Right. Yeah. And then they got to figure out what to do with, with Mitch Marner, um, who's probably yeah. minus this quasi slump he's in, probably in the 12 to 13 range. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't envy. I don't, I don't envy right him either. Now. I do not envy Brad Tree living uh, in <laughs> Toronto right now. David, thank you so much for, uh, for uh, joining me this morning, chatting around the NHL. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more news uh, as we get closer to Christmas. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day, buddy. Awesome, man. You too. Thanks. Thank you. There's David Peñota, uh, editor-in-chief over at the Fourth Period, and he's a host over at Sirius uh, XM NHL Radio.